Hi, and welcome to Ask Wardy. I'm Wardy, a wife and mom of three, lead teacher, blogger, and founder of traditionalcookingschool.com. I'm also the author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to Fermenting Foods. Ask Wardy is the weekly show devoted to answering your niggling questions about traditional cooking. Maybe it's your sourdough starter, your sauerkraut, preserving foods, broth, superfoods, or anything else to do with traditional cooking. You can catch Ask Wardy live each Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, that's 1 p.m. Eastern, or through the podcast and video replays at askwardy.tv. And now, let's get to today's show. Are there other food sources besides nutritional yeast to give vegetarians and vegans the protein, the vitamins and minerals they need? This is a question that came in from Terrence, and since my family has been vegan in the past and I myself entered marriage as a vegetarian, this is something that I and my family have extensively researched and looked into both spiritually and nutritionally. And that's what we're covering on today's Ask Wardy. Welcome to today's episode of Ask Wardy. You'll find all the links resources, show notes, and more at askwardy.tv. Look for episode 142. Here is Terrence's question. Hello, thank you so much for making your information available to us via the internet. I just finished your article addressing the dangers of nutritional yeast, and although I have never personally experienced an adverse reaction from monosodium glutamate, the author of this article, which is Megan, posed some very intriguing questions and prompted me to seek further insight. One thing that the author made very known is that there are other foods besides nutritional yeast to give vegetarians and vegans the vitamins, minerals, and protein they need. I chose to become a vegetarian about two years ago, and it has been a very satisfying lifestyle change for me. Due to my lack of knowledge, I have not replaced many nutrients and protein that comes from animal products, but rather have simply omitted these things from my diet. I know that over time, not replacing these items will cause a deficiency and possibly further health issues down the road. I would like to eat as naturally as possible, including not taking supplements. However, it is not a negotiable thing for me to return to eating meat. So with that said, what other ways as a vegetarian am I able to supplement the nutritional value of nutritional yeast without compromising with monosodium glutamate? While I would prefer not to take any supplements, I am very much open to suggestions. Thank you so much for your time, and I very much look forward to reading your response. Terrence, thank you for your question, and to say thank you, and because we're featuring it on this episode of Ask Wardy, you're getting a free gift, and that's one of our ebook and video packages, and so our team will be in touch to give you that. So Terrence, since your question mentions possible nutritional deficiencies in vegan and vegetarian diets and how to address those through food, I'm going to start with the vegan diet and address that and then we'll move on to the vegetarian diet. And I think it makes sense to start with vegan because that is the most strict and then we'll work our way backward by adding some foods to the vegetarian diet and see where that lands us. Now, I mentioned at the top of the episode that my family was vegan for a few years And while we initially felt this rush of good health and was feeling good, pretty quickly within a few months, we actually started feeling quite poorly. What's that about? Well, there actually is such a thing that happens. It's called the vegan cleanse. And the symptoms that we in particular experienced as we started to feel poorly were low energy, wasting away of muscles, and we just all, our entire family, my husband, me, and our three kids got really skinny and it wasn't in a good way. To explain this initial improvement in health only to be followed by a significant downturn, I'm going to turn to Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride. She's the author 
and creator of the GAPS Diet, Gut and Psychology Syndrome. It's one of the best gut healing diets. And she has an article entitled Feeding Versus Cleansing, and this is what she says. Vegan diets, plant-only diets, can be seen as a form of fasting. They don't feed the body properly, but provide it with a lot of cleansing. While your digestive system is busy processing plant matter, so you don't feel hungry, the diet will provide your body with large amounts of cleansing substances. The ultimately toxic people are cancer victims. They require a lot of cleansing. That is why most nutritional cancer treatment protocols are vegan. Remember that vegan diets are only suitable for a period of cleansing. They must never be chosen as a permanent lifestyle. When your body has finished cleansing, it will need feeding, and that is when you have to introduce animal foods. If that is not done, the body starves, starts cannibalizing itself, and problems start developing. So, when talking about purely plant-based diets, the word diet should not be used. Instead, such a regimen should be called a vegan fast. So in the vegan diet, which is 100% plant-based, no animal foods of any kind, there are certain nutritional deficiencies that can develop. What are they? What nutrients are lacking that lead to long-term deficiencies rather than feeding, as we just discussed? Dr. Mercola explains this. He says, part of the confusion is that many vegans appear quite healthy in the earlier stages. This isn't so surprising when you consider the fact that many switch from processed foods to a mostly raw plant-based diet. The influx of live foods will undoubtedly improve your health. However, in the long term, the absence of all animal-based foods can take a toll as certain nutrients cannot be obtained from the plant kingdom. Carnosine, carnitine, taurine, retinol, vitamin D3, conjugated linoleic acid, and long-chained omega-3 fats are examples. B12 deficiency is also very common among vegans. After six or seven years, the B12 stored in your liver will be completely exhausted, at which point you may start to experience serious neurodegenerative diseases. There are many documented cases of blindness from B12 deficiency as well as other neurological disorders. Many people rely on soy for vitamin B12. B12 is normally found in meat, eggs, and dairy. The Weston A. Price Foundation tells us the compound that resembles B12 in soy cannot be used by the human body. In fact, soy foods cause the body to require more B12. So that doesn't solve the problem. So what about nutritional yeast? Because many vegans rely on nutritional yeast to supply vitamin B12 in their diet. However, as you already pointed out, Terrence, you read our article about the dangers of nutritional yeast. And the main danger is there's a very scary byproduct that is made just due to the manufacturing process, and that is MSG, or monosodium glutamate. Terrence, you have already read the article, and for everyone else, I've got it linked at the show notes. It talks about why nutritional yeast is not a health food, and I'm just going to summarize Megan's points about what makes nutritional yeast a food to be avoided. Many brands are genetically modified. Nutritional yeast contains MSG, as I was just mentioning, and this is just a byproduct of the manufacturing. It's not added, it is just created as nutritional yeast is created, and it can't be avoided. MSG causes serious neurological disorders. There are 70 adverse reactions recorded for MSG, and that includes cardiac, gastrointestinal, and respiratory issues. Many individuals may be symptom-free, but as they continue to consume nutritional yeast, 
The symptoms can build up slowly due to bioaccumulation. People may experience headache, dizziness, lightheadedness, loss of balance from consuming MSG. And there really are better food choices than consuming nutritional yeast for vitamin B12. And that is meat, dairy, and eggs. He also shares that DHA is essential for health and it can only be obtained through fatty fish and marine animals such as krill. He wrote, I am absolutely convinced that seafood is one of the healthiest foods on the planet, primarily because of its DHA content. This is a 22 carbon omega-3 fat that is absolutely essential for health as it's a structural component of cell membranes. If you have low DHA levels, it's almost physiologically impossible to be healthy because it's such an important part of energy generation at the molecular level. You need DHA, which is only found in fatty fish and certain other marine animals like krill. It is important to note that while our bodies can synthesize DHA from ALA, which is alpha-linoleic acid, this conversion process in most of us is very poor, and it has been documented that vegans have low blood levels of DHA. Still going along with nutritional deficiencies of the vegan diet, in a previous Ask Wardy, one of the very first ones, it was Ask Wardy 11, and you can find a link to that at the show notes. The question was, do you need to eat meat to be healthy? And I shared that a vegan diet could likely lead to deficiencies in vitamins A, D3, and K2, and that the vegan diet lacks the most gut healing and soothing foods of all, and that would be animal broths and connective tissue. So we've gone through the potential deficiencies in the vegan diet and we've addressed them one by one. We also have to tackle the possibility of protein deficiency in a vegan diet. And so once again, I'm gonna to turn to a quote from Dr. Mercola. He says, excessively low protein can become a problem for vegans, especially if your diet is also low in healthy fats. Some will get just eight to 12% protein from plants in their daily diet, which can trigger muscle wasting. So let's tackle the potential solutions that a lot of vegans talk about. So first we're gonna talk about eating soy or other beans for protein. And this is because many vegans rely on soy or other beans to provide the protein that would be otherwise lacking. However, as the Weston A. Price Foundation points out, like all legumes, soy beans are deficient in sulfur-containing amino acids, methionine and cysteine. In addition, modern processing denatures fragile lysine. So beyond the issue of soy not having sufficient protein, as well as other beans, soy has really serious health concerns. It can disrupt our hormones, it has cancer-causing effects and many other things. So I'm just gonna read you a couple bullet points from the Weston A. Price Foundation about the problems with soy. Most modern soy foods are not fermented to neutralize toxins in soybeans, and they're processed in a way that denatures proteins and increases levels of carcinogens. Soy foods can stimulate the growth of estrogen-dependent tumors and cause thyroid problems. Low thyroid function is associated with difficulties in menopause. Soy isoflavins are phytoendocrine disruptors. At dietary levels, they can prevent ovulation and stimulate the growth of cancer cells. Eating as little as 30 grams, which is just about four tablespoons of soy per day, can result in hypothyroidism with symptoms of lethargy, constipation, weight gain, and fatigue. And there are more dangers listed, and you can visit the show notes to find a link to read more about the dangers of soy. So soy and other legumes are not a solution to the protein problem. In addition, soy brings with it a host of other problems, even when it's consumed in small amounts daily. Okay, what about eating 
peanuts for protein. Peanuts are notable among the nut family as actually being a high source of protein. 22 to 30% of their calories are in the form of protein. However, relying on peanuts for protein regularly can lead to health problems. So here's a quote from Mama Natural. She says, most peanut butter contains aflatoxins or naturally occurring fungal toxins. These are metabolized by the liver, but in high doses, these toxins are considered considered to be a carcinogen. That means cancer causing. The other thing is peanuts are just one of those top food allergens. So that makes them not even an option for many people because of the allergy. Okay, so we've covered a bunch of deficiencies of the vegan diet. You have micronutrients such as DHA, and you have carnosine, carnitine, taurine, and those other things. We've also talked about a possibility of low protein. And basically, I've come to the conclusion myself and my family has through our extensive study that we do not recommend the vegan diet because the deficiencies in the vegan diet cannot be corrected with plant foods. Moving on to nutritional deficiencies in the vegetarian diet. Now, the vegetarian diet is quite significantly plant-based. However, vegetarians do eat eggs and dairy. And there's a special category of vegetarian that's called pescatarian, where in addition to the animal food of dairy and eggs, a person will also eat fish. I do think that vegetarians have it a little bit better than vegans nutritionally, and that's especially if someone is a vegetarian who also has the metabolic type where their body does very well on carbohydrates. And according to one theory on metabolism, about 20% of the population is this metabolic type. Because vegetarians eat the dairy and the eggs, they are much more likely not to be deficient in the things we've been talking about earlier. So vitamins A, D3, and K2, the amino acid taurine, vitamin B12, as well as protein. And additionally, a vegetarian that also eats fish, the pescatarian, is even better off because including specific fish in their diet will also ensure that they get the DHA we were mentioning earlier and also the amino acids of carnitine and carnosine. Having said all that, there is a fairly big downside to the vegetarian diet. And that is that if a person's metabolism is better suited toward fat as opposed to carbohydrates, and also that person may have higher protein needs, then it's harder, but maybe not impossible to create an optimal vegetarian diet around those needs. And that's because the tendency in the vegetarian diet is to eat high carbohydrates. And that could be great for the person who thrives on carbohydrates, but for the opposite metabolic type, it could be a real struggle to thrive and feel good. I did speak more about metabolic types in a previous Ask Warty. It's Ask Warty 140, look for point number five. So here's my conclusion about how to do a healthy vegetarian diet. First, it's preferable that your body does well fueled by carbohydrates rather than fat. You want to include plenty of dairy and eggs in your diet and that's to ensure adequate protein, vitamin B12, the essential fat soluble vitamins, vitamin A, D3, and K2, as well as taurine. In the vegetarian diet that lacks fish, so the non-pescatarian, it may be difficult to impossible to get high enough levels of DHA to be at an optimal health level. And then we have to talk about those two amino acids I mentioned earlier that are impossible for a vegan to get, and that's carnosine and carnitine. A vegetarian that eats fish may be able to supply adequate levels of carnitine and carnosine in their diet by eating particular fish. So carnosine, it is present in beef and chicken, but you're not eating that also present in certain types of fish. Eel is high, then there's yellowfin tuna, skipjack tuna, swordfish, and chum salmon, for example. Carnitine, so besides the beef, chicken, and pork, you can find it in all fish and shellfish, 
but cod leads the way as the big winner. So everything I've shared here today is based on my own research, my family's research, our experiences with health and achieving optimal nutrition. You wanna take what I've shared and know that I'm not giving medical advice or telling anyone what to do. I'm merely answering Terrence's question from my opinion and the research that we've done. And we have concluded that we do not recommend the vegan diet and that the vegetarian diet for someone who's carbohydrate efficient and that also eats fish, it may be possible to be pretty much healthy. There may be one lack there that I mentioned earlier and that is bone broth being so healthy for the gut and animal connective tissue is so healthy for us as well because it provides collagen for our skin hair, nails, and our own connective tissue. Be sure to visit the show notes for all the details and quotes of everything I mentioned today. And now I want to wrap up because I can't help but not just tackle the spiritual perspective because it's very important to our family. We did go through those years of being vegan. I entered my marriage being vegetarian and felt a lack of protein and switched to eating meat again simply to provide protein for the the child that was growing in me. So our family has wrestled with these issues. And one of the most important things we've wrestled with is what does God want and what is God's design? And we know after the flood, he opened up the animal kingdom to us to eat as food. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. I have given you all things, even as the green herb. Our family believes that God did this for a reason and that he provided animals as food for us to eat, be nourished, and even healed as much as is possible in this fallen world. There are studies and such that claim that meat is poison. And you know what? I agree that conventional meat is poison, is not healthy, and doesn't help our health. On the other hand, if animals are raised as God has designed them to be raised, and that is in rich and diverse pastures, they are healthy, they are unstressed, they're not laden down with medications and antibiotics. So if they are happy and healthy, they are humanely slaughtered. They actually become wonderful, healthy, healing foods for us to eat. And our family embraces these foods because God has given them to us, not because of any rules, but because he designed it and we wanna give him glory for that. And so we're very thankful for what he's provided and we praise him every day for that. And now let's conclude and I wanna invite you to check out our free traditional cooking video series. The reason this is so important and relevant to today's episode is because one of the foundational techniques that we do in traditional cooking is to neutralize anti-nutrients and anti-nutrients are abundant in plant foods. You have phytic acid, you have lectins, you have enzyme inhibitors. And so if you're going to eat plant foods, whether you're eating primarily plant foods or even a few plant foods in your diet, it's really important to learn how to prepare them so that they are best for digestion and nutrition so they don't lead to the deficiencies, so they don't cause you problems in digestion. And you know you know what kind of discomfort can result from something that is just not going down well. Well, I teach you how to do these fundamental traditional cooking techniques in our free traditional cooking video series. So I invite you to sign up for that at tradcookschool.com slash yours free, where yours free is all one word. And in addition to the free video series, I've also got 14 eBooks waiting for you that will just go deeper and give you a taste of other traditional cooking topics like sourdough and fermenting and more. So again, tradcookschool.com slash yours free, and I hope you'll grab that today. For all the links, quotes, resources, and more that I've mentioned today, visit the show notes, askwardy.tv, look for episode 142. Thanks, Terrence, for your question. Thank you, everyone, for joining me. I hope you'll come again because we meet every week, same time, same place, and you can check out all the archives at askwordy.tv. So I'll see you all again soon. Bye-bye. God bless you. Thanks so much for joining me today. 
Here's what to do next. Ask Wordy wouldn't be possible without your questions, so please keep them coming. If you're on Twitter, tweet me at TradCookSchool with your question and use the hashtag AskWardy. Or send an email to Wardy at AskWardy.tv. To get the show notes, links mentioned, video replay, or even to catch up on past episodes of Ask Wardy, go to AskWardy.tv. To join the fun of the live video recording, be sure to follow me with the handle at TradCookSchool on the Periscope app or go to periscope.tv slash tradcookschool. We record live on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific. That's 1 p.m. Eastern. And finally, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, the podcast app, or Stitcher. If you're on a mobile device, just search for Ask Wardy while you're in the app. If you're on a desktop or laptop, go to tradcookschool.com slash awitunes right in your browser. And while you're there, please leave a rating or review. I love to read your comments and your feedback makes it much more likely that others who are interested in traditional cooking will find Ask Wardy too. Thanks so much. God bless you. And I'll see you next week.